0: Good morning, it's great to be with you today after another rough weekend in the hills amidst the power outages around the place. So well done on being here and taking this time to connect with God um, in this very full on long weekend. As Jerome said, my name is Viv and I'm the Assistant Minister here at St Mark's. Well how have you responded to the stress around us lately? What do you usually do when you're really, really stressed or when you're facing a really desperate situation? Are you someone who's able to stay calm and measured? Or do you just start spiraling out of control, uh, maybe getting frustrated and angry uh, and blaming others? Are you someone who's able to see the opportunity for your personal growth um, in the trials that you face? Or are you focused on just trying to get through it and push through the situation as best as you can? Like the Israelites in the story today, when we're faced with desperate times, do we take desperate measures into our own hands? Or do we look to God in faith and trust that he'll figure it out for us? So over the last three weeks, Jerome's been leading us through uh, this section from Exodus chapter 15 on the theme to the promised land and hasn't it been great? Uh, And we've seen that as the Israelites have been delivered from generations of trauma, God's been graciously revealing himself as the Lord who heals and provides and cares for them. God's been proving that he is more than capable of looking after them, even when there's no food or water, and proving that he's absolutely trustworthy. After hundreds of years under the rule of harsh Egyptian lords, the Lord of heaven and earth is showing his people how very different he is, how caring and gracious and generous he is and how his caring and gracious presence extends the invitation to relationship and communion with him. But we've also started to see some expectations that God has started to lay out for his people in order for this relationship to work and to enable this redeemed people to thrive back in Exodus chapter 15 verse 26, God explains that they are to listen to his voice, to do what's right and to pay attention to his commands. So we see that God's um, trying to start reforming his people to make them ready to be able to enter the promised land and to live in it so as not to spoil it. And also, so as to fulfill their destiny as people who were called to bring blessing to the nations, to the whole world. So as we come to today's story, we notice that the Israelites are in a familiar predicament. They're without water. For us as readers, um, it's easy to look at this story with critical eyes and think, well, God's provided water for them before and actually not that long ago. Why didn't they just ask him? (laughs) But if you've been in a hot, parched desert, even going an hour without water is actually really, really intense. If you've travelled to the Red Centre or if you've been to the Middle East, you'll know what it's like to crave a drink of water, even after a short wander. So the Israelites, after a long, hot journey, they've set up camp at Rephidim as God had commanded, but they don't have any water. What a desperate situation. What about the children? What about the frail elderly? What about the pregnant women? This is actually really serious. This is a life and death situation. They've got to find water quick. These are really desperate times. Now, we're just going to pause here and think a bit more deeply for a moment. What's been a really desperate situation in your life? Maybe you've faced a really awful health diagnosis, or maybe for yourself or for someone that you love. Maybe unemployment over a, a prolonged period of time that jeopardizes your ability to, to make your mortgage repayments or to, to afford your rent and you're staring down the real possibility of losing a home. Maybe years of a loved one's addiction or mental illness has brought you to rock bottom and you're um, just not sure how you're ever going to be able to recover that trust with that person and your love and intimacy with them again. I'm sure you've experienced, um, yeah, a desperate situation and it could be a whole lot of things that have caused it and a whole lot of things um, that it could be. Desperate times tend to back us into a corner, don't they? Where the only options seem to either be to just give up all hope and resign ourselves to circumstances or to lash out in anger and blame and take it out on the people who we think are responsible. I know that I'm someone who tends to opt for the fight response and use anger as a way of trying to gain back some sort of control in my circumstances. And we see here in this passage that the Israelites opt for the fight. Look at verse 2. It said, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And again in verse 3, the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? See, they're not just grumbling and complaining like they were last time, but have now resorted to fighting and quarreling with Moses to the point where they're almost ready to stone him, as Moses says in verse 4. So they're now blaming Moses and interpreting their situation as Moses' wicked plot of deception and genocide. What an extreme accusation. You know, I think one of the saddest um, things um, in human experiences is seeing broken, desperate people turning against each other. Think of people fleeing war or people who are really starving, scrambling. You know, they, you see those scenes sometimes on the news, scrambling and fighting each other for food aid that's just become available, but there's nowhere near enough food for the numbers of people in need. Think of the violence that can erupt amongst desperate victims of circumstances. Here the Israelites are not only feeling dehumanized by severe thirst, but are experiencing the brutish nature of humanity apart from God. As they resort to anger and blame and verge on violence, their characters are disintegrating along with a dehumanizing of their souls. For years they've been the victim of this sort of behavior but are now tempted to see it as their only solution. J.I. Packer in his book Knowing God, he says that sin brutalizes you and tears your soul to pieces. For the Israelites, desperate times called for desperate measures. Or did it? What was an alternative response that God was looking for? What could have been their other option? Look with me at the second half of verse 2. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? See, their quarreling, their fighting, their anger actually equated to testing the Lord. Well, how so? Firstly, they ought to have taken their complaint directly to God rather than lashing out at Moses. You see, God's been inviting them into communion with him to learn the two-way interaction with God that they were made for. Secondly, they didn't remember how God had miraculously provided for them only weeks earlier, nor acknowledge the goodness of God's lordship and care of them. Their worship had dried up a spiritual reality reflected in the physical circumstances of no water. I know that Jerome's been placing the emphasis on God's gracious revelation of himself to a broken people over these last couple of weeks, but we're now beginning to see the graciousness of God in calling forth a deepening level of trust and faith among his people they've got to start standing on that revelation if they want to survive and certainly if they want to flourish. As much as infants are adorable, we expect them to start growing and developing and learning, don't we? And as parents, we seek to nurture that development as best as we can. And the same goes for us. In the trials that we face, where is God's grace calling us? To deeper trust. How are we doing at going to God with it all first? How good are we at standing on the revelation of God that we've experienced in our lives to this point? How are we at maintaining our worship of remembering how God's been there for us in the past and acknowledging that he's the same God yesterday and today and forever? And then the other reason that their anger and their quarreling was tantamount to testing God was because it was actually denying his very presence. Look at verse 7, it says, They tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is God in this with us or not? God, are you really here with us in this dry, parched desert or not? God, are you really here with me? in this struggle, in this suffering. In our anger and our blaming and our quarrelling, there's a dynamic at play that actually denies the presence of God. The presence of God who meets our need. The presence of God who makes a way the presence of God who just wants us to turn to him with all the worry and the fear and the frustration and the desperation that we're feeling. The presence of God that's able to handle all the complexities and intensities of our emotions. This is a test for the people because God is longing for them to trust him so completely and recognize that even all of their emotional experience can't exist in a healthy way apart from him and the same goes for us our souls can't exist or be healthy apart from him because emotions separated from God only lead to the disintegration of our characters into mere brutism and the dehumanizing of our souls And think about this in terms of the purposes and plans that God has for his people who are called to fill the earth and subdue it, to push back and overcome the intrusion of chaos, the intrusion of destruction and evil and injustice by the means of peace and love and faith, to work with God in reversing the fall not perpetuating it how can they do that and bear witness to the grace and peace of God if they're filled with anger and fighting with their leader you see God was testing them it wasn't meant to be the other way around and testing them to prepare them to be a people who step up to their calling of bringing God's blessing amidst the brokenness of the world and pointing people to the one, the only one, who makes that possible. Listen to Zechariah. In chapter 13, verse 9, he says, "God speaking through Zechariah, and he says, I will refine them as one refines silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is our God. You see God is testing you to refine you so that you will be a living testimony to who God is. Let me just share a little bit of a story. A few weeks ago um, we were successful in um, securing another rental property and I was staring down another house move. (laughs) This was going to be our eighth move in our 13 years of marriage and for our twins their fifth move in their 10 years of life. Now in case you're not aware, moving house is one of the top Five most stressful experiences in life, and we might have had some, picked up some um, PTSD from our previous moves. Um, so <laughs> we knew it was going to be stressful. Um, to add to the stress, uh, Jerome was working full time as our vicar, um, sorry, as our locum here, um, and the kids were meant to be doing their remote learning while school was still closed. Um, add to that, you know, um, some storms and power outages, both planned and unplanned. And it was a boiling pot for an emotional breakdown. <laughs> um, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. Now, when I get stressed, I tend to get grumpy and prickly towards those around me. I like to use the analogy of a cactus. Um, and I become much more easily angered, and I know I can easily lash out. Does anyone else relate to that? <laughs> Um, so as I thought about how I was going to get through these weeks, I asked for God's help and I felt God just give me an incredible sense of calm. And he showed me how this was going to be an opp- opportunity for me to do things differently and to keep moving away from my default reaction of anger and frustration. And seeing that perspective helped me be on my guard against anger In a way that I hadn't been in all um, my moves before. And rather than fall victim to circumstances through panic and anger, this perspective helped me grow as a person of peace and trust. And I might have been angry still, I might have been panicked, I might have had a few slip ups but it wasn't, I felt like it was different, it wasn't as bad, it wasn't, as intense as it was previously, I felt like I had come a come a long way. So too, I believe that in your desperation, just as God made water come gushing from that rock at Horeb, God wants to gift you with just what you need to walk this trial hand in hand with him and grow as a person of peace who trusts in him. Because here's what's really beautiful in this passage. God doesn't quarrel or argue back with the Israelites. He doesn't rebuke them or highlight all the ways that he was hoping they'd respond. He doesn't try to prove his right by spelling it out for them. No, he simply gives Moses an, inst- an instruction through which his providence can flow. God just quietly and gently gets on with what he intended to do for them anyway by providing them with water and securing their survival and their safety. Psalm 103 verse 10 says he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. You see when God's tested no matter how or why he'll always always prove himself faithful and trustworthy. Whether we step up in our tests or not he will always be gracious and patient and gentle with us. He will always be someone who's safe to trust. Even if we spiral out He never will. You know, we've been through an awful lot over these two years, through the pandemic, lockdowns, isolation, storms, power outages, the exhaustion of home learning and working from home for a lot of us, the uncertainty of employment for some of us, and probably a whole lot more things in our own personal lives. We might think that this has been tough enough I know I've said to God, God, I just can't, I can't take any more of this. I can't keep going in this. I've said that so many times. I'm sure you might have as well. But like the Israelites, there's a lot of desert ahead and a lot of opportunity to grow as people who are ready for the promised land. Because what if things get worse or harder before they get better. With COVID in our city, with with COVID just out (laughs) um, in our city and likely in our community um, soon enough here in Emerald, there will be more people getting sick and unfortunately dying, even with vaccines. I'm not trying to induce fear or worry, but I'm trying to bring a spiritual perspective on the trials still ahead With these sorts of challenges before us, many people might be tempted to wonder where the heck is God in all of this suffering and struggle? We might be tempted to doubt God's care of us. Or we might feel like blaming him and directing our anger towards him. But perhaps in all that we've been through already, God's been preparing us to be a people who can bring peace and comfort to others in an experience of suffering that we haven't seen in Australia for generations. Perhaps God is testing us to ready us for what he's calling us to step up into in the months and maybe even years ahead. To be people who trust him no matter what and whose hearts rest in him despite whatever is spiralling out around us. And to be a people whose trust and worship of God brings God's undefeatable peace into our panic-stricken and hurting world. Because we know that whatever comes, God is still God. We are his people and he is our God. Desperate times don't call for desperate measures. They call for trust in the Lord our God who always proves himself faithful.